the legendary Mac Miller once said, self-care, I'm treating me right. But what the heck does that actually mean? There's been a movement over the past few years here to prioritize self-care, to show up for yourself, and I'm all for it. But how do we know that the bath bombs and the face masks are actually doing anything for us? You look at the current mental state of just the world as a whole, it's kind of questionable, right? So today, this is episode 197 on self-care. As a forever athlete, you're tuned into Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, and today we are unpacking self-care. What is it as it relates to you as an individual? How can you create a self-care practice that you could actually stick with? And what are some common mistakes as it comes to self-care that we see time and time again? And how do we fix those? Plus some bonus unexpected ways that you can start to practice self-care a little bit more effectively and efficiently in your life. Quick one for you. As someone who's moved around seven times in the last five years, I know how hard it is to find new experiences and more importantly, friends each place that life continues to take me. That's why we've created the Forever Athlete Social Club membership platform with curated experiences that help you grow closer to yourself and those around you. As a member of the social club, you'll receive a weekly experience to go and try in your community, as well as meet up events and opportunities to introduce you to like-minded individuals. Now, this isn't your cheesy alumni group filled with awkward conversation and overwhelming self-promotion from that one dude from high school that's just trying to help you get passive income in your life. No, the social club is a vetted, safe space for you to be your authentic self and grow with a like-minded community all over the world. Come join the free platform over at foreverathletesocialclub.com and start making teammates for life today. Now, let's get on the same page here as to what is self-care as a whole. Self-care, according to the Oxford Dictionary, so the really technical nerdy definition of it here is It's this practice of taking action to preserve or improve one's own health. And I don't know about you, I can't be the only one that hears that definition and just starts to scratch their head over and over again thinking, that's really, really vague. That gives me absolutely no direction on how to actually take action, how to show up for myself. How do I practice this self-care thing? It's no wonder with a definition like that, we collectively can struggle to implement effective self-care routines in a way That actually helps us avoid burnout. That actually keeps us happy and fulfilled and avoiding over-anxious moments and all the overwhelm and everything else that we are trying to navigate in this human experience. So what's helped me in wrapping my own head around this vague term is to think of it really like this. To perform self-care is to perform actions that are in alignment with improving your overall health. That is including but not limited to your emotional health, your mental health, and your physical health. Self-care is actually your ability to tune into what your body and mind need in this moment and honor it. And that's huge. Self-care essentially is being consistent and uh, with that practice. And we, that's what makes it effective. It can be a real challenge for high achievers of this world to be consistent with the self-care because we don't always value it, right? Athletes are a great example of this. Often, we get mixed signals as to what to do and when to do it, whether it be from teammates, from coaches, parents, external figures telling us they all have an opinion and we need to be acting in accordance to that. So how do you effectively navigate between offering yourself some grace when you need it and honoring your emotions with not 
becoming lazy and undisciplined in the process. There's a fine line that we're trying to walk there. I had a friend of mine actually reach out to me this morning and she messaged me prefacing as, I need some help. I find myself struggling to wake up in the morning lately and I've always been a morning person, but for some reason lately I've been sleeping in and I don't know how to feel about it. I don't know if it's because my body's actually tired and I need to sleep or I'm just becoming lazy, in her words, a lazy POS. And I said, you know, it's, it's really tricky to differentiate between the two. So how do we start to see the forest from the trees and differentiate between like this moment in accordance to the bigger picture of our life? Well, it goes through really looking at what is known as our heart rate variability. And if you're not familiar with heart rate variability or HRV for short, simply put, it's this measure of variation in time between your heartbeats. Now, contrary to popular belief here, your heart does not beat like a metronome. It doesn't just same rhythm over and over. We actually want some variance in that heartbeat. So we need high HRV in relationship to self-care. The higher HRV is, the really, let's backtrack for a second. HRV is also a non-invasive way to measure your autonomic nervous system and how in-tuned your autonomic nervous system is. That's the difference between being in flight or fight mode or rest and digest and how well you can navigate between the two of those. So without getting too nerdy there, like I said, high HRV score means parasympathetic nervous system and your sympathetic nervous system are well-balanced. And something that is really, really crucial for high performance is we want a better balance between those two sides of our nervous system. The higher one's HRV is relative to their baseline score, the healthier their sympovagal balance of their ANS is. It's a really nerdy, fancy way of saying that you can switch gears and handle stress like a Ferrari when you have a high HRV or more like a 1980 Toyota Camry when you have a low HRV. So obviously, we want to try to go about life a little bit more like the Ferrari. Each of us have this unique HRV score, too. There's no blanket HRV of 50 equals good. So a good rule of thumb, when you're looking at your HRV, whatever it is that you are using to look at that, as it relates to you and how you can practice self-care, is looking at a larger pool of past data. That's how we differentiate between the forest and the tree that is right in front of us. Just like you can't PR in the gym every day, trust me, I have tried, I've been there, and it just doesn't really work out well, your HRV score will naturally fluctuate. You'll have some days where you pop into the gym, you feel stronger, you feel good to go. we got to take advantage of those days, right? That's when we try to maybe max out. And then days where you don't feel strong, you might need to dial back and make some adjustments accordingly to that plan. Some days your heart rate variability will be lower, indicating that it might not be, it might be a good time actually right then to start prioritizing more self-care and rest in your life. And sometimes it will be higher, indicating that you are primed, ready to go, and go and get after it. Now, if you're familiar with popular fitness tracking devices, wearables like Whoop or Aura Ring, you might be thinking to yourself, well, what if I have something really important to do on a day with low HRV? What if I feel this need to really practice self-care on a day that's very important I need to follow through? How do I show up? I'm conflicted. What do I do? The good news is all hope is not lost in that case. We want to be able to differentiate between the two, right? Like I've been saying, 
if this isn't a common trend for you, if it's not a, a day-by-day basis, it's just in this moment, it's showing up, and you need to power through it, then absolutely you can double down on the discipline and grit that you already have within you to power through and get that shit done. However, on the flip side, if it is a common theme, if it's something that is reoccurring day after day after day, your HRV is lower, what is happening most likely is you've been overtrained, you've been overstressed, you've been overstimulated, and your nervous system is letting you know that, hey, buddy, you might need to be able to address, take some time here to start addressing some more serious underlying issues that are existing at play. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp, helping you simplify your therapist search in a way that makes getting you the help you need easy. Therapy isn't just for when you find yourself in a dark hole with nowhere to go. I've personally found it helpful to connect with a licensed professional on a frequent basis to proactively talk through the puzzles that I'm actively solving in my life. And thanks to BetterHelp, you as a listener of the show can try therapy today for 15% off your first month. Head on over to BetterHelp.com slash ForeverAthlete. That's BetterHelp.com slash ForeverAthlete today to learn more and connect with a therapist that understands you. Now back to the show. So let's shift gears and look at ways how we can improve our self-care while creating a routine that you can really stick with here. Now, when it comes to self-care, there's really six non-negotiable daily habits that you can implement right now in your life to best improve your heart rate variability and get proactive with your self-care. And I promise you, they don't take a ton of time. Number one, sleep. It's the number one performance enhancer I have plenty of episodes on sleep. We've brought in sleep experts on the show talking in depth about why sleep is so important. If you want to save yourself the time and stop listening to those things, just get some sleep. Sleep is going to be huge in helping address the underlying issues and fine-tuning your nervous system. Number two, hydration. We got to make sure that you are drinking your water. It's like an oil change in your car. You got to make sure the brakes and the engine is well-oiled for it to function properly you just have to, unfortunately, drink water every single day. Unlike these cars, you can't go months and months and miles and miles in between an oil change. you got to be hydrating and lubricating your nervous system in that process. Number three, movement. Notice how I said movement. It's not a workout. It doesn't have to be that crazy high, intense CrossFit or HIIT workout. Moving your body with some intention is really what counts. Get out there. Get that heart pumping. Move some, move some weight around if you feel like it, whatever that is. Movement improves your mood. It's your medicine. Rely on it. Number four, social interaction. We're social human beings, so we need to be getting social interaction on a daily basis. That's why over the past two years, why do you think we've seen such a dip in mental health for so many people? We've been isolated. We've been in our rooms. We've been on Zooms, and we haven't really been getting in-person social interaction. So best you can, your mental health, your well-being will improve. Your self-care routine will improve if you intermix, sprinkle in some social interaction that feels good for you, that doesn't overwhelm you. Number five, mindfulness. Now, it doesn't have to mean sitting Zen position like a Buddha underneath the tree out in the garden listening to some, um, I don't even know, (laughs) listening to some flutes and whistles and all of that. What it means is maybe it's just going for a walk without music or taking the five minutes to take the headphones out and just be with whatever the task is at hand. A great example I use for mindfulness in my own life right now, haven't been the best at practicing meditation lately, but I've been very intentional about when I'm making my coffee, 
in the morning. What I end up doing is taking the music out, making sure that it's still and I'm present on boiling the water, pouring that boiling water over a pour-over press, then letting that brew do its thing and pouring that in my coffee cup. It's a five, ten-minute exercise that gets me a really good tasting cup of coffee and I absolutely love it. So I encourage you to do something like that, maybe for mindfulness if you feel like meditation is just too far out there, too far gone from where you're currently at. And then lastly, number six, we got gratitude. Taking a minute to really feel grateful. That's the huge, huge piece when it comes to gratitude. It can't just be something that you're going through the motions and say, I'm so grateful for the air, the the sun today. You got to actually sit and feel that feeling for it to have a positive impact on your nervous system, on your heart rate variability, and implement into your self-care routine. So take some time to feel grateful today. Now, ready to find how we can make all six of those really become easy peasy. You don't really have to even think about it. And they can be implemented in your own life in a way that you'll actually stick with. I am. There's no right order to them, right? Or there's no combination of them. And this has to go before that or whatever it may be. The only thing I would say, like, ideally you're sleeping to start your day, right? And then when you wake up, otherwise you're just, I don't know, maybe you're nocturnal and you're doing things weird. Do you, okay? Point of this, do your thing. If you're not nocturnal, Sleep is probably the first thing that you're knocking out off that checklist every single day. Be gritty with that sleep. Create boundaries around it. Be very, very cognizant of who you're giving sleep away to and why and make sure that that isn't a reoccurring thing. But we're busy people here. We're listening to the show. You're reading this online, whatever it may be. We're busy people, and we might not have time to do all six of these individually. So let's be effective. Let's be efficient. Let's combine and kill as many birds with one stone as we possibly can. So maybe that looks like you're crunched for time here and you start to go for a hike with friends and you bring some water with you. Now all of a sudden you got three of that six knocked off. You got your social interaction. You got your movement. Hydration as well. Maybe it's taking the headphones out as you just go for that walk. Now you can turn your movement into a mindfulness practice in the same breath. Self-care, as we defined earlier, is this ability to just tune in to what your body needs in this moment and honor it. And while wearables like a Whoop and an Aura Ring, like I said earlier, they give you an HRV score. What they don't measure, though, is they're not remeasuring your HRV throughout the day. They just give you one score, and then you're stuck with that for the rest of the day. Here's the problem in that. It's like setting your GPS for a 24-hour road trip, and then it never updates, letting you know that there might be some detours, there might be some accidents, some traffic, anything that happens since you set it. I don't know about you, but that can be very, very frustrating. So HRV actually can fluctuate from moment to moment. There's an app on the iPhone that I like to use called Elite HRV. So if I'm ever really feeling like torn between intuitively, like what do I need to do? Do I need to power through this? Or can I, can I just sit here and like give myself a little bit more grace, and rest, take it easy? I'll pull up the lead HRV. It uses the phone cameras on the back of your screen to measure your HRV. It's not the most accurate thing, first and foremost, but it doesn't really matter how accurate it is. We just need a score. And it will read your HRV in that moment based off of your fingertips and the pulse that is going on there, which is, I think is, is really fascinating. It's way more beneficial because it's real time 
information and we we make decisions we live life in real time we can't just the moment where you start to make decisions just past data there that just score that we got overnight you start to run into some issues things get muddy we leave some things up for confusion so using a thing like lead hrv can help you a little navigate things a little bit better right HRV can really change and fluctuate just like traffic can change in the blink of the eye. We got to be ready for it. You could be having the chillest day ever, right? And then your boss comes around and maybe texts you, emails you and said, yo, we got we to gotta talk. What happens to your nervous system there? You probably get a little anxious. You probably wonder like, okay, like what do we need to talk about? What's going on there? And all of a sudden your heart rate, it spikes up. You might find yourself in this anxious spiral depending on how you handle emotions. That's why emotional intelligence can play such a critical role in um, heart rate variability and in this in particular, which is a whole other podcast that we can dive, dive into. But for today, as it relates to here, when you have a low HRV, you might get stuck in that upregulated cycle and state known as that fight or flight or freeze. And you have a hard time downshifting gears back into a place where you feel the most calm, cool, collected, and ready to make a clear-headed decision and take action in your day. And while that's not necessarily always a bad thing, we need to be able to upregulate like right that. That's a part of the normal human experience. We also need to be able to come down from that. If we aren't able to do that on our terms and we stay upregulated for too long, that's when burnout happens. That's when really overtraining, fatigue, and all of the, the negative things that we want to try to avoid there can happen. If you ever heard of the term adrenal fatigue, it's oftentimes a result of that. You, you're stuck in that upregulated nervous system state. So here are some ways that you can practice implementing in real time when you get thrown off and you can't throw some cucumbers over your eyes, kick your feet up, and just call it a day, right? So number one, I need you to create some space. We can struggle to see the trees from the forest, a theme that I keep saying because I want to hammer that home for you. When we are so close to what we're trying to uh, solve, we struggle to see the difference between the two. So take a step back, create some space. It allows you and your nervous system an opportunity to just downregulate one second because it's reducing the amount of stimulus that's going on. And you can become in a more effective state, especially when you find yourself being frustrated. Number two, breathe. Now, I'm not talking the classic, hey, just take a deep breath. That's usually probably who you want to punch in the face, whoever's telling you that. Resonance breathing is what I'm talking about. It's a form of breath work, and it's been shown to improve nervous system regulation when it's done proactively and done regularly. For the sake of argument here, when you are in the moment, I don't need you to do a whole breath work practice. What I do encourage you to do is breathe in for four seconds through your nose, and then out for six seconds through your mouth. And that's some free ASMR sounds for you there of me breathing. So you're welcome. Do this for two to three minutes, though, when you find yourself upregulated and in that nervous state. Maybe you're over-anxious. Maybe you're overwhelmed, whatever it may be. And notice how that you're able to then come down to that optimal sweet spot for performance from there. And then number three, do something boring. It could be something boring, but it needs to be for five minutes at least could be staring at a white wall. It could be going out for a walk. It really doesn't matter what it is for you, but taking a break from really what triggered you in the first place, 
you're doing something less engaging that allows you to actually want to get back to work. That's the important thing. Now, this time you'll be much more effective in a much clearer space to go back into it. So that's why that creating space, taking a break, do something boring, breathing is so beneficial. It's just changing the headspace that you're in to want you to go back and prime you to go back instead of running away from the issue altogether. Because we don't run away from our problems. We collect ourselves, we go there, and we, we do what we need to do. We know how to play with our emotions here. That's kind of part of the whole forever athlete thing. Now, the most important, the most common mistake that I see when it comes to self-care is we often only view it as this indulgence. It's this thing that we do every once in a blue moon. Maybe it's grabbing that glass of wine and you're sitting in that bathtub with the face mask, you get the bath bomb going, you feel so good just partaking in it, and then months and months go by and you never do it again. You're like, oh, I need a self-care day. I need a self-care week. I need to just cancel all my plans and just do the things that fill me up. Well, most people practice good self-care hygiene through those six non-negotiables that I said earlier. Too far and too far between those six isn't, doing you any good you could do those six but if you only sprinkle them in every once in a while it's no different than going to the gym maybe once or twice a month and you're scratching your head wondering why you don't have better results you want better results and you want better self-care practice and routines you got to do it consistently there's just no way around it it looks different for you though the answer really for you is instead of viewing self-care as this heroic thing that you do only when you find yourself really treading water, teetering on that edge of burnout, something that you're able to practice more proactively, what does that get to look like? Answer is going to look different for everyone. I'm a believer that what gets scheduled gets done. So however it looks for you to answer that question, I invite you to make some dates in your calendar right now for yourself to follow through on your answers. How can you start that self-care practice today? As soon as this episode is over, or maybe you've already started, maybe you're already out on a walk, or being a little bit more mindful as you are listening to this. You don't have 20 things going on in that same breath. In closing, the bigger your goals are in life, the more practice and proactive you'll need to be with planning out your self-care because it's easy to just let it slip and let it go. It doesn't have to be a weekly full-blown spa day. You often don't have time for that, but taking the time to show up for yourself and your health is the biggest ROI you will ever get for anything that you do in your life. The real secret really is creating clear boundaries and honoring them in your life that allows you to show up for yourself without becoming a self-care junkie and you're just always doing self-care and you're never actually doing any work. That's not what I'm saying here. Create the boundaries. Let the self-care exist within those boundaries and don't let it spill over and make sure you can actually get the things that you need to get done, done in your life. Practice being able to differentiate between the now and the bigger picture when you're making that decision as to what you need to do in this present moment. At the end of the day, self-care is for you. There's no one right way to do it, and you got to be able to find what works best for you. Take everything you learned today and heard throughout this episode with a piece of curiosity. Maybe go into the kitchen of your life and start cooking up a recipe that tastes good for you. I appreciate you tuning in. Remember, if you could share this episode with a friend, family member, or teammate, because together... We go far. It helps us out a lot. Leave us a rating review on the show as well, wherever it is that you're listening to. And until next time, flow on, my friend.